John chapter number 10, and we'll begin at verse number 7 in just a moment. I want to kind of consider what we looked at last week. Uh, We'll be preaching this week, and Lord willing, we'll see next week uh, if God keeps us on the same line of thinking, preaching a series entitled, Being in the Right Place at the Right Time. And my hope by the end of the service last week was to show you that the right place is not actually a place at all. It's a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe right now, historically, is probably the most important moment in history for us to be in the right place at the right time. We spent some time at the end of the service last week looking at Revelation chapter number 3 that of all the things that God is trying to move the church age of Laodicea towards, he's trying to move them towards a closer relationship with himself. That they're, they become lukewarm. They're not hot. They're not cold. They're just lukewarm. And at the end of his reproof of the church age of Laodicea, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. There's this element of closeness and intimacy that the Savior wants to have with His children, especially now. And I believe that it is the call of every Christian in our day to be abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll remember last week we took some time and we looked at the lives of the disciples and how in Acts chapter number 4 and verse 13, there was a note taken that although they were considered to be And and I quote, unlearned and ignorant men, yet in spite of that, they took note based on their boldness, based on their intellectual knowledge of the Word of God, based on their understanding of prophecy and its fulfillment, they took note that those men had been with Jesus. And I believe that that is the secret to every great ministry that has ever been present on our earth is how close that ministry is to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. How close the leadership of that ministry is to the Lord Jesus Christ and how close each individual that is involved in that ministry are to the Lord Jesus Christ. The key to our success and for that matter our failure as a church lies in those two words, with Jesus. Now, as we go on from what we looked at last week, you'll remember we looked at the power of our position in Christ. If we could give it a subtitle last week, I would have subtitled it, The Greatness of Our Shepherd. The Greatness of Our Shepherd. The truth is, sheep in and of themselves are not able to accomplish much on their own. They're pretty dependent little creatures. Yes, they can be cute, They can be lovable at times, but the reality is they are pretty well utterly helpless outside of their relationship to the shepherd. It's why a shepherd is so critical. It's why someone being a caretaker to the sheep is so essential. And so the greatness of any ministry doesn't lie in the ability of the sheep. Oh no, we are so completely deceived if we think that we somehow are the responsible party to the greatness of anything that God will ever do in this place. 
No, in fact, the shepherd is the one who is responsible for greatness. And what we spent time looking at last week, according to Acts chapter number 4, is that there is great boldness that comes from abiding in Christ. There is great knowledge, great influence, great faithfulness, and great glory that comes from abiding in Christ. Not because we in and of ourselves are producing that, but you and I are called to abide in the shepherd, and it is the shepherd then who produces all of those great things that God wants to produce in your life. Now this morning, I'd like to go on from there and look this morning at what we're calling the passageway to our position in Christ. If I could give this morning's sermon a subtitle, it would be The Grace of the Shepherd. Last week, we looked at the greatness of our shepherd. This week, we will look at the grace of our shepherd here in John chapter number 10. Let's begin at verse number 7, and we're just going to read down through this morning, and then we'll jump into the sermon today. John chapter number 10 and verse number 7. Now, as we are looking at this today, there's one thing I need each of you to do, and it was something I shared with our children on the way here today. Uh, how important it is for them to come with a heart that is wide open. Uh, you know, it's so easy for us to just believe we've heard it all, that we know it all, that we've learned it all. And for that reason, if we're not careful, when we get to the house of God, we come with a heart that is unintentionally closed off to the Word of God being preached. And so whether you've been a Christian for 50, 60, 70 years, or whether you're a new convert, my hope is today as God's Word is being preached, you'll have your heart wide open and ready to receive what the Holy Spirit has prepared for us today in His Word. John chapter number 10 and verse number 7. It says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before You today, we ask, Lord, that You would speak to us and speak through us. Lord, I pray today that every single person that's here would have their heart wide open. And that as they are reintroduced to our gracious Shepherd, the Lord Jesus, 
We pray that they would see today that there is no other way, no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Outside, of course, of the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you would move in a mighty and wonderful way. May there be a sweet peace rushing over this building. And may your Holy Spirit meet us here. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The power of our position in Christ and the passageway. How do we get there? When the preacher talks about abiding in Christ, it's easy for us to just assume that we're talking about reading your Bible and praying. But there's so much more to abiding in Christ than the two things that we so practically oftentimes draw the conclusion of. Abiding in Christ means that there is a constant connection between Christ and His child. That there is no separation. There is no distance. There, there's no walls that have been built up in between. There, there is a direct line of communication back and forth. That's what it means to abide in Christ. The idea is, is that you're so close to Him that when He speaks, you hear Him right now. And whenever you speak to Him, He hears you right now. And there is no distance between the two of you. I'm, I'm so intrigued by the fact here in this passage, in John chapter number 10, the way that Jesus refers to Himself as the door. You all see that, right? He says on a couple different occasions in this passage, I am the door. And of course, we know in other passages, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And so there's clear indication all throughout Scripture that there is only one way to get from where we are to where God has intended us to be. And that is through the person of Jesus Christ. And as I was trying to think of a way to really draw a connection here of what I'm trying to say, I could not help but think about how my family thoroughly enjoys going to some of the shows that go on in downtown Indianapolis that I'm talking about at the fairgrounds. For example, when they have the boat sport and travel show. How many of y'all have been to the boat sport and travel show? Raise your hand if you've been there. Okay, good. I always ask those questions and inevitably I get one hand to raise. It's so embarrassing when that happens. It feels a lot better when more hands go up. Okay, so you all know what I'm talking about. The boat sport and travel show in downtown Indianapolis. I love going. I especially like to go during the weekend that they have the deer and turkey expo because it's like you get two in the, at the price of one, right? And so I always try to go on that weekend. And it's always during... One of the coldest times of the year, isn't it? Uh, you guys know what it's like. You pull up to the door and you drop your family off there at the door and you, you make your way out to the parking lot. And by the time we get there, if I'm honest, the parking lot's pretty well full. And so inevitably, I have to go way out to the back side of the parking lot just to find a space to get parked. And then the worst part is, is as you're walking up to go into the boat sport and travel show, your hope is, is that maybe one of those first doors you come to, you're going to grab a hold of that handle. It's just going to open up. There's like 2,000 doors at the state fairgrounds. Okay? And, and I, every year, it never fails. I'll run up and I'll think, maybe this one's unlocked. And I'll run up there and I'll grab a hold of the door handle and it ain't unlocked. And I'll grab a hold of the next one and it ain't unlocked. Even in the place where they say you're supposed to enter. It says, enter here. And you go up to the door and it's locked. You're thinking, what, what is going on? But oh, how good it is when you're sitting there freezing to death and you finally find the right door. 
You walk in there and they got that great big heater blowing right as you walk in the door and you just, oh, it just feels so good, doesn't it? You finally found the right door. You know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that there are some that have just never found the right door. That are still wandering around in the cold. Wondering if they're ever going to figure it out. This morning you've come to the right place. And you're in the right place at the right time. To finally understand and realize that God's intention is not for you to stay out in the cold. God's intention is not for you to just stay out there and shiver until you die. God has a place for you. And that place that He has for you is unlike any place on earth. The problem is there's only one door. Every other door is locked. There is no other door that you can walk through and get into the family of God. There is only one door. And the door is not an activity. Opening the door is not something that you can do. You do not possess the key inside of yourself. There is nothing that you can do not only to open the door, but there's nothing you can do to walk through the door. The door is closed. Door after door after door after door. Some people search their entire lives to find the door that accesses the family of God and they never ever find it. Because their thought is that somehow they hold the responsibility. They hold the key. They hold the ability to access The reality is that ability is not found within us. It's found outside of us. And there's a reason for that. It's so that when the door is finally found and it's opened up wide and we walk through that door, we will know that we have walked through by one thing and one thing only, and that is the grace of Almighty God. The truth is, is God has designed this very specifically. To eliminate any chance of self-glorification. There is a reason why you are not the door. And there's a reason why I, as the pastor of this church, am not the door. There's a reason why there are thousands of doors that remain locked shut. Even though you try to go in and out of them. You find that they do not lead to the place you think they ought to lead to. It's because God has only designed this with one door, and it is not a thing, it is not an activity, it is not a church, it is not a denomination. That one solitary door is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to start with that thought this morning. And, And really my hope today is twofold. Number one, I hope that the Holy Spirit will lead you to this wide open door that leads to the warmth of the love of God and being a part of His family. If you've never walked through that door, the Lord Jesus, if you have never entered into the family of God sincerely by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, my hope is today that while you're out shivering in the cold, that finally today you'll find that open door. And if you're here and you know Christ as your Savior and you've walked through that door, my hope today is that you will find yourself all wrapped up in the grace of our Good Shepherd. So that when you leave this place today, the cold of the world we're facing right now will not chill you to the bone. 
No, you'll find such sweet warmth in the presence of Almighty God that no matter what arises and no matter what you face, you'll be able to go forward without ever breaking down and without ever giving up because you're abiding in the presence of that Good Shepherd. I want to start this morning by looking at this fact that Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. What we're going to find out is that Jesus is everything. All right. I just want to go ahead and state that now so that as I'm making these points this morning, we're not scratching our head trying to figure out what is the preacher trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that it is by God's amazing grace alone. It's through Jesus Christ alone that you and I have access into the family of God. That there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus. That it is by grace that we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want there to be no question about that this morning. And so we see first and foremost that Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. Notice it again in verses 7 through 9. Let's look at them again. It says, Then said Jesus unto them, again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. What does a door do? What does a door do? It does a few different things, but the very first purpose of a door is to grant access, isn't it? The reason we put a door on something is because we want to be able to go from outside of that something to inside of that something. You know, when you're pouring ICF walls, which is what I just built my home with, uh, if you don't frame out the door, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> you're going to have two and a half inches of styrofoam, six inches of concrete, and two and a half inches more of styrofoam that you've got to get through and cut through to get a doorway put in if you don't think of that beforehand. You better know where you want all your doors because when you're done, you're not going to have doors if you don't think them through. The purpose of putting a door in is so that we can go from being outside of something to being inside of something. Can I tell you something today? How grateful I am that God has made a door. Amen. He did not have to do that. Fact is, whenever man fell into sin, God could have eternally closed the door. And I am so thankful this morning. See, what we do is we look at all the doors that are locked and we think, how could God do such a thing? How could God lock all those other doors? I mean, people who sincerely believe in Buddha, shouldn't they get into the family of God? And the answer is no. Absolutely not. They should not. What about people that, that believe what Muhammad said? Shouldn't they, if they really believe it with all of their heart, shouldn't they get a chance to go in? And the answer is no. Absolutely not. Say, preacher, isn't it unfair of God to do such a thing? And, and what we do is we look at all the, the hundreds and hundreds of locked doors, the doors that people have tried to put into the walls of heaven and allow access into this glorious paradise that we call heaven. And the reality is, I'm thankful that God made a door. I'm not choosing this morning to look at the hundreds of doors that man tried to make that are closed shut by the power of God. I'm choosing today to see the marvelous grace of our Savior in the fact that He made a door. Praise God He made a door. We would be left hopeless, 
wandering out in the desert, wandering out in the freezing cold of night, had it not been for God placing a door. What exactly does that door grant access to? Jesus being the door of the sheepfold, I believe first and foremost we see here in this passage that He alone grants access to salvation. He alone grants access to salvation. Some of you might be here today and might be thinking, I just don't know why I can't find salvation. Can I ask a real simple question? Have you tried to find it through the person and work of Jesus Christ? If you have been unable to secure salvation, if you have been unable to find salvation, if you have been unable to access salvation, the problem is not that salvation is somehow aloof to you, that you cannot possibly ever find it. The problem is, is that perhaps you've been trying to go through the wrong door. Just like I do at that boat sport and travel show. You're wandering around the cold and you want to get in, you want to get in. And you go up to the door of self-works. And you start yanking on the handle and start pushing on the bar and you're doing everything you can to get in, but you just can't get in. Maybe you're trying to go through the door of church membership and you, do, you just thought by going through the motions of joining the church that if you got in and you did enough stuff inside the church that you'd be able to get in. You just keep ramming against the door and the door's not opening. Maybe you're trying to go through some other way. Maybe you've tried other religions. Maybe you've tried other people. Maybe you've tried other ideals. And every time you're just met with the same conclusion, you're left out in the cold. Can I give you some good news this morning? If you'll walk up and set your heart on the Lord Jesus, what you will find is that there might only be one door, but it is wide open. You don't even have to touch the door. There's no doorknob. You don't have to you don't have to unlock it. There's no lock. I want you to get a hold of this this morning. Whenever God says it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saves us, I want you to understand something. When you get to the door of Jesus Christ, there is no lock, there is no doorknob, there is no latch. The door is wide open to all who will walk through. And all this while you've been trying to open the door on your own, you've been slamming up against it and left out in the cold. Can I tell you something this morning? That if you will walk up to the door of Jesus Christ, the door is wide open and the warmth that's coming through is almost unresistible. But there's only one door. And His name is Jesus. He alone grants access to salvation by the work that He accomplished. By coming to this earth, living His perfect and sinless life, that He might offer Himself and Himself only as the Son of God, as the perfect Lamb that would be slain for us. And upon slaying Him on that cross of Calvary, God provided a means of redemption for all of mankind.
for those of us who will believe. He alone grants access to salvation. He alone grants access to the Father. He alone grants access to the Father. He said that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You understand you cannot get to the Father unless you go through His Son Jesus. It's impossible. You can try to climb whatever religious ladder you want to climb, but it's not about climbing the ladder, it's about walking through the door. I wish I could just drive this thought home in a way that really resonates with with our hearts this morning, that if you try to go any other way but Jesus, you'll never get there. He grants, He alone grants access to salvation. He alone grants access to the Father. And finally, He alone grants access to the church. He says that in Him, notice in verse number 9, it says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He'll find pasture. What does that mean for those of you that that raise livestock? You understand. There's specific areas that you'll let your livestock go so that they can eat their food. And what God's saying is, hey, you you come into the family of God by me and you'll be able to find green pasture. Can I tell you something this morning? Trinity Baptist Church, I am so thankful that God's brought me into this pasture. I love this place. I love it with every fiber of my being. So thankful to have an opportunity to be in this very special place. And can I tell you that this special place can be your special place too. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you have, maybe you've not been scripturally baptized, but let's get that taken care of. And we would love for this to be your pasture. For this to be the place that God brings you and plants you and grows you and feeds you. This is a special place and we want you to be a part of it. Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. But here's what's interesting. Remember I told you at the very beginning of this sermon that Jesus is everything. He's everything. He's not just the door to the sheepfold. You know what else He is? He's the shepherd that's over the sheep. So we get into the flock of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ and His gospel. But once we get in there, it's not like we leave Jesus at the door. We are not left to just wander out of the pasture and hope we can figure it all out. Once we get into the sheepfold, then we understand that there is a shepherd who stands over us, guarding and guiding each step of the way. Jesus is the good shepherd. Look at verse number 10 with me. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Not only is Jesus the door to the sheepfold, granting access to salvation, to the Father, to the church, but Jesus Himself is also the good shepherd. And there are some things that that good shepherd stands ready to give. We see in this passage that He is ready to give life. What a blessing. What a blessing. Every one of us who are on death's door, every one of us, and I'm talking spiritual death, every one of us who are facing down those wolves 
Every one of us who are facing down those lions on our own, aren't you thankful that the Good Shepherd stepped into your life and rescued you? I'll be eternally grateful. See, that's what I, when I look at my salvation, I look at it not just from the standpoint of Christ saving me to the wonderful things He saved me to, but I think about what He saved me from. I am so thankful for the life that this good shepherd has given to me. A life that if it were to be written by the most articulate author in the most extravagant fairy tale, it couldn't have even come close to the sweetness of the life that's been given to me by the Good Shepherd. I'm so thankful for the life that I have in Christ. But if it were not enough that I were to pass from death to life by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, beyond that life, that eternal life that was granted to me at salvation, there is life more abundant. Look at what it says there in verse number 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 10, at the end of the verse, it says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You understand why we raise sheep these days? I mean, I don't want to bring something up that's confrontational. But generally speaking, we're raising sheep for a couple different reasons. And neither one of them have to do with the health and well-being of the sheep necessarily. You all understand what I'm saying. Sheep are raised for their wool and their meat. And dairy. I knew I'd get corrected. I was waiting for a fourth and a fifth, to be honest. I'm glad we only ended up leaving one out. Friendship. Some sheep are raised for friendship. The point I'm trying to make is that whenever our shepherd calls us into the fold, he doesn't have self-interest outside of his own praise and glory. He really has the life of the sheep in his best interest. You understand that whenever the the shepherd calls us into the fold, he's not calling us in so that we can be slaughtered. He's calling us in so that we can have life. He's not taking us off to the slaughterhouse so that He can have His way with us. No, He's bringing us into life more abundant. That's why the shepherd's bringing us in. And what an extraordinary gift it is. We're talking about the grace of our good shepherd. He gives us life. He gives us life more abundant. Thirdly, He gives us His protection. I love how Jesus describes His love for the sheep in verses 12 through 14. He says, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. I want you to understand what he's getting at here. There is the shepherd and there's the hireling. What's the shepherd? The shepherd is the one who owns the sheep. The shepherd is personally responsible for the sheep. The shepherd loves the sheep. The shepherd's named the sheep. The shepherd understands the sheep, knows the sheep, knows every detail about them. But when the shepherd goes away on a trip and he has to hire somebody to come in and keep the sheep, the hireling comes in and he's just making a wage. He's just making a little bit of income by coming and watching those sheep. He's a sheep sitter. That's all he is. He doesn't own the sheep. He just watches the sheep. 
Now, the shepherd, if a wolf comes along, you kids are going to like this. If a wolf comes along and the shepherd sees the wolf, the shepherd's going to respond very differently than the hireling, the guy that's just watching the sheep. The hireling's going to look at the situation. He's going to say, I am making $12 an hour to watch the sheep. If I watch the sheep for four hours, I make $48. But if in that four-hour period of time, a wolf comes along that could kill me, frankly, it ain't worth $48. (laughs) And so if a wolf comes along and it's $48 or my survival, I'm picking my survival every time. I will abandon $48. In fact, I'll abandon $480 if it means I get to live the next day. And so the hireling sees the wolf coming and he says, it's not worth it. I'm out of here. He takes off running. But the shepherd, the shepherd has a different relationship with the sheep. The shepherd loves the sheep. So much so, in fact, he's willing to lay his life on the line for the sheep. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that, or maybe it was last week, that we had a bobcat show up out in the woods. Me and Charity were out mushroom hunting together. I think she was doing better at it than I was, frankly. And I was walking through the back property line and I saw a bobcat. Took off running, not 20 feet in front of me. I mean, literally, it was, I was right on top of it. And as I, was, as I was watching that thing go, my first immediate instinct was to turn around and grab up my daughter. She was about six feet behind me. I mean, literally, with, I didn't even think about it until she was in my arms and it dawned on me that that even happened. I love my baby girl. She got pigtails today. Did you see that? Tears me up. Say, preacher, what would you have done if that bobcat would have come at you? I feel sorry for the bobcat. If that bobcat would have tried to get my baby girl, it it, it wouldn't have happened. Just frankly, it would not have happened. Say, well, how can you be sure of that? Because I would die before that happened. That's the only way it would happen. Now, I understand they may not be that dangerous, and I'm just using that as an illustration. I would never run away from her. I run to her and I grab her up because I love her. And I want you to understand something about our good shepherd. He feels the same way, only infinitely more so for you than I do for her. So when he sees a wolf coming, he doesn't just run away. He doesn't wash his hands of the situation. He looks at his sheep and he goes and he gives his life for the sheep. That's the kind of love and the kind of grace that the shepherd has for his sheep. He is the good shepherd. He gives us life. He gives us life more abundant. He gives us his protection. And maybe perhaps the most amazing thing at all is that he gives us his attention. Notice it says in verses 13 and 14, it says, The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. I've got six kids and one of the hardest things to do with having six kids is to give them equal attention. I'm sorry about this. 
Sorry about this, boys. I, I do my best, but sometimes it doesn't work out all right. And without giving any specific examples, it's just, it's just the reality of the situation. There's, there's so many kids and so little time. And so I can't always give them the attention that they deserve. Can I tell you something about our Good Shepherd? He knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. He's prepared to commune with you over the very situation you're facing. You understand something about the Good Shepherd. He does give His life for you. And that doesn't just mean when He died on the cross, He is spending up His time for you now. He's your mediator. He's your protector. He's your provider. He's your sustainer. He is everything you will ever need constantly because He loves you. He dearly, dearly loves you. So we understand Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. We understand that Jesus is the good shepherd. But I want you to understand one final thing about Jesus. Jesus is also one other thing as it pertains to that sheepfold. Sheepfolds in the land of Israel during the Old Testament were interesting things. Bittersweet is probably the right word. Sweet because you had these lambs constantly being born in the land of Israel. Bethlehem was known as being one of the most extraordinary places for these lambs to be born. And the reason it was so sweet is because of the joy of life and the joy of, of having these sweet little critters around and being able to, to enjoy their companionship and what have you. But it was also very bitter. Because ever so often there was a sheep that would be born, a lamb that would be born, that would be unlike the other lambs. And I don't mean in a bad way. I mean in the most extraordinary of good ways. And when the right lamb came along, that had no blemish and no spot, that lamb, unlike the other sheep, that were used for other good things... <coughs> that lamb would be sacrificed as an offering to God. And I want you to understand one last thing about the Savior that we serve. Not only is He the door to the sheepfold, not only is He the good shepherd, but He is also the sacrificial lamb. Look at verse 15 with me. It says, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I laid down, listen to this, I laid down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I want you to understand something about the sacrificial lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. When He gave up His life, the first group that He was giving up His life for was the sheep. Both as the good shepherd and the sacrificial lamb, He offered His life in place of our own if a shepherd steps in front of a wolf and dies at the jaws of that wolf instead of that sheep, guess what just happened? The shepherd was the substitute for that sheep. 
And can I tell you something? That the wrath and justice of God could only be satisfied if someone in sinless perfection would offer himself as a substitute in our place. And we know that that is precisely what our good shepherd did, was offered his life as a sacrificial lamb that upon being slain could offer forgiveness to all who would place their faith and trust in him. He gave his life for the sheep. According to verse 16, he didn't only give his life for the sheep, he also gave his life for a big bunch of strangers. Did you notice in verse 16, I want you to look at it again, it says, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. What is he saying? He's saying there are other sheep that are not a part of Israel. Who is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about us. He's saying, I've got sheep that are not of Israel, they're not Jews. They look different and they sound different than you. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to bring them into the fold. And the moment I start bringing them into the fold, I want you, Israel, to understand at that point there is just one fold and there's one shepherd. Praise God. He didn't only give His life for the sheep of Israel. He also gave His life for the stranger, which is you and I. Finally, He gave His life for the sovereign. According to verse number 17, it says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. If we could understand the full scope of what Jesus accomplished when He gave His life as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, we would understand that there was a redemption covenant being fulfilled by Christ in that sacrifice by which God would have a people redeemed unto Himself through the person and work of His Son, Jesus. His Holy Spirit then would come and enact that covenant. He would lay on us Himself to where we could be a part or beneficiary of that covenant, ultimately creating the church. It's an extraordinary work that could only be accomplished if Christ laid down His life and then took it again. And that is exactly what Jesus did, for He is the Savior. According to verse number 18, there is only one person that could do such a thing. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why do we call this the grace of our shepherd? Talking about him as the door to the sheepfold, talking about him as the good shepherd, talking about him as the sacrificial lamb. The word grace is an interesting word, and I want to close with this. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 2 this morning. Ephesians chapter number 2. Grace is such a neat word. And the best definition, you've heard me share it with you before, but the best definition I've ever heard to the word grace, is God giving us what we just simply don't deserve. We didn't earn it. We weren't entitled to it. It wasn't like that by, by some means of inheritance that we, we got it. There was absolutely nothing about us that deserved any of it, and yet God gave it to us anyway. That is grace. So when we talk about the grace of our Savior, you understand that, that as, as worthless, aimless, helpless sheep, we don't deserve His goodness. We have not earned His grace. We're not worthy of being part of the fold. We're not worthy of such access that's been granted to us by our sweet Savior, and that is why we call it grace. Now, I want to show this to you in, 
in action here in Ephesians chapter number 2. Now, we're going to look at a different passage than we ordinarily do. We almost always look at verses 1 through 10, but I actually want to start in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 11. And I want to close by looking at this ultimate gift. When he gave his life to make a way for us to be brought into the fold, it was truly the greatest gift that anyone has ever even known, let alone received. Christ alone is the one who has made the way for us. It's why we call this the passageway to our position in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, let me get to chapter 2. There we go. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, here's the phrase, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. I shared with you at the beginning that abiding in Christ has the idea that there is a closeness, there is a connection, there are no walls or barriers in between. That's what it means to abide in Christ. And here, that's exactly what he's describing. He's saying he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. And that is why Jesus said, I am the door. The question this morning is how long are you going to wander out in the cold checking the other doors before you will finally Turn in to the one warm, wide-open door of Jesus Christ. You understand something this morning. There's a reason it's so cold outside. And I'm not talking about climate change. I'm not talking about the month of May and it being cold. I'm talking about how spiritually cold it is outside. Say, preacher, what's the reason why it's so cold outside? It's because of what season we're in. <clears throat> preacher, I don't know if I'm comfortable with the direction you're going with this. Well, my job is not to make you comfortable. Say, preacher, what season are you referring to? I believe the reason it's so cold outside is because we're closely approaching the season of Christ's return. And one of these days, before much longer, you're going to be left behind in the cold. And on that day, you're not going to be able to say, I didn't know what door to go to. 
All you'll be able to say is, I just chose not to walk through that one door. I'm going to encourage you today. If you've been trying all the other doors and coming up left out in the cold, stop searching for an unlocked door. I've introduced you to one today. His name is Jesus. And He is the only way. The only way in. Stop trying to build you a ladder. Stop trying to sneak around the gate. Stop trying to just figure it out on your own and finally submit your heart to the person and work of the Lord Jesus and what He's done for you has been sufficient. It's the only way that God designed for us to access such great salvation. And if you're here and you know Christ as your Savior, but some of that cold air has been blowing into your life, I want you to take the warm blanket of the love of God and pull it back up over you today. And understand that you are not being left out in the cold. It might be cold all around you. But you understand you have a tender, loving, compassionate shepherd who's just calling out to you with open arms and saying, you know why you're so cold? It's because you're so far away. There are some of you that need to come back close to your shepherd. And I can assure you, if you'll do that, the cold outside, it won't affect you anymore.